Hi, I'm Shane. Welcome to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast. Today, our guest is Maggie Doyne, and she shares with you her journey of hope and how she is helping people become a better version of themselves. We believe it is important to collaborate with those who are engaged in improving the world so we can share with you motivated individuals who will encourage and strengthen everyone who hears this message and hopefully give you additional meaningful tools so you can create a better life for yourself. Her hope is that something you hear, see, or think while listening to this will instill a spark within you to do something today to increase your hope, expand the desire to improve yourself, or might move you to reach out to someone who could use your help. Take one small step, and that action could be the start of a new, more fulfilling life. Share this with family and friends, leave us a review or rating. And know that each small action you take to help spread this message is a way to help someone else. Subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host, Shane. Today, our guest is Maggie Doyne. She is an American philanthropist who is has built a children's home, a women's center, and a school in Nepal. She won the CNN Hero of the Year Award in November of 2015. She is also the author of Between the Mountain and the Sky, a mother's journey, or, uh, sorry, a mother's story of love, loss, healing and hope. Maggie also is the founder of the Blink Now Foundation. Maggie, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited about this discussion we're going to have. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Second, Maggie, I gave a little insight to the listeners about who you are, just a really high level, but tell us why you started these things. Well, um, I guess we should take it way back to where I grew up and how I grew up. I, I'm from New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing already. I know. It's we are. This <laughs> going to be a great discussion. <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs in this, um, in the Northwest uh, of Jersey, this little town called Mendham. I grew up on a cul-de-sac. I had a mom and a dad who loved me infinitely. I had two sisters a dog. I played soccer. I went to public school, just all the things, all the privilege. When you grow up in New Jersey and you come of age and you're in high school, everyone's like, where are you going to college? And not only where are you going to college, but what college are you going to get into and what's the name of it and blah, 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 blah. It's just, um, yeah, just what we, what we're, what we grow up with when we're, when we're lucky enough to be born this way. And I was 17 and doing all the things I played soccer and lacrosse and was taking classes and was treasurer of my class and yearbook editor, like all of it, just typical suburban girl. And I was like, wow, I'm about to go to college, invest all of this money and all of this time. And I have no idea who I am on the inside. And how am I supposed to know my purpose or what to even study or just anything about where I'm going if I have no idea? And so I was, I was just like kind of a burnt out suburban kid, <clears throat> didn't know where I wanted to go to college. I'd applied and gotten in and all of those things, but I had these questions, these like bigger life questions. And so I decided to take a gap year and travel and leave New Jersey for the first time. 
And I thought that I would maybe find some answers along the way. And it started out in the South Pacific. And then I ended up just by chance into the year, um, into that gap year experience in Northeastern India. And at the time in 2005, there was a civil war going on in Nepal and a major refugee crisis happening at the Indian border where I happened to be living and working. And so that got me into asking a lot of questions and I ended up taking my trip to Nepal. So that's kind of where the the foundation started that you Mm -hmm. find yourself in Nepal. Something I love that you said is that you needed to find your purpose. And Jason and I talk about that a lot, that we, we feel like we're just barely starting on our journey of our purpose. Um, but what do you think your purpose is right now? What, how would you answer that question? I just think, you know, it, on that journey in Nepal, what I realized is just the depths of human suffering and that children, many children weren't given the hand or the lottery that I had been given. And I, I was on a dry riverbed kind of walking through rural Nepal and I saw kids breaking rocks and kids were cold. And Nepal is one of the most food deficit regions in the world. There was hunger and malnutrition and kids not living to the age of five because of simple things like immunizations or food or clean water. And so for me, that was just this major wake up moment of like, how have I not known? How have I not like really truly known everything that I've been given, but also how the rest of the human family is is living and the question of privilege and what I was given, but how I give back and how, how I change things. So I think one of my main purposes is to try to make this world better for children who weren't as lucky as I was. And um, now I'm the mom of 60 kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So I became a mother and we run a school and now there are no more children on that dry riverbed breaking rocks. And I just decided to stay in Nepal and with the local team, I tried to make things a little bit better with my co-founder. And I don't know. I just, uh, I think my purpose is to try to make this world better for children, because I believe that when children are raised with love and education and nourishment, that there will be peace in the world. And I want a world without violence and with more peace and love and joy and equality. Yeah. Amen to that. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what, what uh, Shane and I are, are pushing is to just get more hope and joy and peace and love out there in the world. So what, if you were to say to somebody, you know, like, you know, okay, they, maybe they can't go to Nepal, right. And do these, these grand things, but what would you say is their, you know, their Nepal journey to find their purpose? What, what would be that thought that you would say to them and say, look, you you know, maybe you don't have to go to Nepal. What, what can you do? Right. Oh yeah. You absolutely, you absolutely do not have to go 8,000 miles away. In fact, it may be better not to, (laughs) everybody has their own journey and their own path. And I think right now people feel so immobilized. Right. And so like stuck and like, there's so many problems. There's so many issues. There's so much to be afraid of. It's so hard to have hope when we're just being bombarded in every direction by (laughs) 
like just threats to our humanity and our world and our earth. And I think it's really important in those moments of overwhelm to just stop, get quiet, listen and look around. And there's always one step. There's always human kindness. There's always these really simple actions. I think even just the act of gratitude and being stopping and like waking up today that and just being like there's no bombs falling on us or our children or our families and we have food to eat um and yeah then looking at how we can help our neighbor um or someone who is going through a really hard time helping helping each other and seeing each other as one human family that's so beautiful i i think you hit it perfectly when you said you take one small step, that action really can accelerate things very quickly. If you are simply willing to take that one step in your case, you happen to be near Nepal in India um, and took one small step, which now you can see you're the mother to many children and are giving them the hope that they might not have ever had, had you not been, been willing to take that small step. So are you currently in Nepal right now as we speak? No, believe it or not, I just had a baby. Okay. <laughs> I just had actually my 59th and 60, 60th child were, were biological. Awesome. Years back, I met my husband, Jeremy. Um, we were in Nepal through a lot of the early COVID crisis. Um, and I'm back in the U.S. I'm actually currently in California. I am launching a book, which you talked about, Between the Mountain and the Sky. Um, and we're headed back to Nepal in June. Our, our work is um, led by a group of local Nepali people, my co-founder, Tope, and this amazing team of aunties and uncles and teachers and social workers and farmers. And it's a, it's a really deep-rooted community initiative, which was the initial vision um, and I split my time between North America and, and Nepal now. Okay, cool. So we touched a little bit on this book. Tell us the the history of why you decided to write this and a little insight into what it might be about. Well, I'd say it's a coming of age story. It starts off as a 17 year old in New Jersey um, and then kind of asking those questions and going through that process of wanting wanting to know more about the world and figure out my place in it. And then all of these things <laughs> completely unexpectedly unravel. There's a lot of um, suffering, a lot of loss, a lot of just figuring out how to help and what does help look like. Um, addressing the issues of privilege and power and uh, um, local communities that are and, and cultures so different than our own. Um, it's also just about motherhood and love. And, um, I, you know, I'm 35 now, the book spans till this point. So, <laughs> you know, in the end, you know, I, I, I experienced motherhood biologically as well as um, adoptively. And uh, I started writing and just journaling when I was in my teen years, like struggling with those questions. And I've always written, I've always processed I've always had a blog. I haven't always shared what I've written, but as I was getting older, um, I just felt like there was something there to be told. And there had been a lot of stories that I just hadn't shared because they were so intimate or personal or questions that I was struggling with. 
Um, and I wanted to give people a look at like the layers beneath what was on the surface. Cause in the story, it's like, oh my gosh. And then it's this happy ending and there's a school and a women's center and nutrition program and family development. And it's just very surface level, but the book kind of gives, gave me an opportunity to go deeper. That's awesome. Could you give us maybe some insight into what what Nepal is like and what these Nepali kids, you know, how they, you know, kind of maybe grabbed you, grabbed your heartstrings and, you know, allowed you to, to, um, to foster them in, right. And, and be their, their, their mother figure uh, for them. Maybe just touch on that. Yeah. Well, first of all, Nepal is like this absolutely beautiful place. The people are amazing. The culture is so incredible. It's Himalayan mountains. But there's also extreme challenges. Nepal is recovering from a civil war. Schools were shut down. There was a million orphan children. Um, just the remote nature of being an entire Himalayan nation makes it one of the most food deficit regions in the world. Mm. It's a landlocked nation. So there's, there's all of these complexities and intricacies. And that makes poverty a reality for the majority of Nepalese people in rural communities. So I was seeing that very firsthand and experiencing it. And obviously a lot of emotions that come with that and just the loss, you know, what happens to a child when they lose their family, their biological family due to war or just disease because of lack of medical infrastructure. Um, What happens to a child that has, you know, lost everything when there aren't social services in place. Um, So that's kind of where our work started digging into like really serving the neediest of the needy and the children who are struggling the most and what that looks like um, when a child doesn't have biological family or is in a war-torn nation is we've got severe abandonment issues. Um, We've got children, you know, begging in bus stations, dealing with homelessness, having to um, deal with early marriage, Mm -hmm. child trafficking across the border, um, domestic servitude, child labor. So these issues are like really, really complex when a child doesn't have their hierarchy of needs met. Um, and there's all these ramifications. I mean, you know, that a lot, one in five children doesn't live beyond the age of five. So, and that can be because of all these factors compiled, right? Bad nutrition, lack of vaccinations, dirty water, no safety net. So we kind of, as an organization, tried to go in and work with the community to make sure that we could address those problems on a multifaceted level. Like you can't just enroll a kid into school and get them a backpack and a pair of shoes and think it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, you have to address the, the issue holistically and organically and make sure that a child can thrive and grow within community. And that's what Blink Now set out to do. So we started with a home for kids who had nowhere to go, but we also had a school um, for children who needed that daily support that's free and a safe place to come and a nutrition program and a health and wellness center and family support, a safe house for at-risk adolescent girls, sustainable farming. Um, That took 15 years. (laughs) I ended up moving to Nepal and living there and working with everyone, but that's kind of the reality of kids. Um, in a lot of the world in the bottom billion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we don't think about those things because we have all of the things 
we have that foundation that we have and we don't think about the children who might not have those things. I think it's so beautiful that you were there and started this foundation and just building up the children and giving them the hope that they, they didn't know they were lacking even. They just didn't know any of that. So the Blink Now Foundation is something that all of us can um, donate to. What, what specifically does that donation go to uh, if we were to donate to that? Oh, so um, yeah, Blink Now is our foundation and our work provides everything from warm winter clothes to uh, three meals a day for our kids who live in our home, warm blankets, mosquito nets, loving caregivers, teachers, education. Um, Our vision is a world where every child is safe and educated and loved. Um, And so we really focus on love, nutrition, very high quality education um, and the safety of our kids. And every donation goes to supporting our work on the ground in Nepal. Yeah. That's awesome. And and I, I imagine as you're, you know, you're, you're gaining this ground for this foundation and you're, you get these donations. What, what does it look like um, when these kids receive these, these items that, that they just don't have or never have had. I, I'm just curious what that, you know, what that looks like and feels like. The- oh yeah. It's the best feeling in the entire world because like a lot of it is, are these like physical or material barriers that prohibit a child from going to school? So there's easy fixes, right? Like the backpack and the school shoes or the admission fee. But then what happens and the ripple effects of a child having like one big nourishing meal every day of a child being loved, being mentored, being able to play soccer, being able to take art class or read poetry in a competition. It's, it's like this blooming, blossoming, everything changes. I mean, the human spirit is so resilient And to see a child that has had everything, you know, set out against them from the start, who's lost everything, who's suffered in ways we can only imagine, then become like our older kids who have graduated, they're doctors, they're becoming engineers, they're accountants, they're teachers, they're social workers, they're, it's um, these physical things that seem so simple, but compound and add up to this change maker who is changing the trajectory of their lives and and the future of their family. And I just, I say it all the time, but education is the best investment you can make in a human life education. um, And just ensuring that every child's basic human rights are are met. Um, It's really just about human rights, basic needs. And then a child will do the rest of the work because humans are amazing (laughs) and they'll become these amazing people without anything that has to do with us necessarily. So true. Opportunity, right? There's this huge opportunity gap in our world. Um, And if we can close that gap, the world gets better for everybody. Yeah. Maggie, really pat yourself on the back because you, because of (laughs) things you're doing, you're developing those doctors and lawyers and teachers even any you should be so proud of what you're what you've built and we're so grateful that we we found out about you and um, that you're willing to join us so near the end of our podcast because we 
we feel hope, we love hope, we live it, and we have a lot of it. So we have what we what we call the double down dose. So the first question of the double down dose is simply, how would you define hope? Looking at the face of a child, seeing their innocence and their love and their purity, just a child, that's hope mm. to me. I love that. It's so it's simple, but it's true. Like when you looked into the face of a child and just feel that love from them, because that's all they want to do is give, give love and feel that love. Right. It's impossible. You cannot yeah. look at a baby's face and not feel hope. Try it. So true. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I really agree. Impossible. Yeah, it's, you it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, so the second part of the double down dose, uh, or the second question of it is what is your definition of love? Oh, I mean, it's in every one of us. I think it's the pillar of who we are. It's the embodiment of the human spirit. It's so simple and it's the answer to everything but it somehow gets warped and complicated (laughs) and we forget that all we need to do every day is love ourselves and love each other. Um, So I want to say it's simple, but then we forget, right? Again. Yeah. We asked this question to all of our guests, these two questions. Sometimes we mix it around just a little bit. We always ask the hope question because that's, that's very important to Jason and I, and I would agree with you that love is on the surface, it seems so simple, but it's so complex when you actually think about it. You know, when you were talking about peeling back those layers of you and sharing the, the layers of what you've gone through, I think love is that same thing. On the surface, we all think we know what it is, but when we peel back those layers, it becomes more beautiful and more, more loving in my mind. That's all I can say. So we we love asking those questions just to get the responses that we do. They're all yeah. different. <laughs> like, this is really hard. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, you did exactly the same thing that everybody else does. They take a moment and just like, oh, what is love? And I think, you know, when we really stop and think about it, it, it is, it can be complex because it's so it's, it's universal, right? It, it breaks all boundaries of, of communication and, you know, even not knowing a language, right. You can, you can love somebody and they can feel that love, you know, that somebody who's blind or, or whatever, they still will feel that love because it's, it's not a, it's not necessarily always a physical connection, right. It could be on the spiritual level or, or whatever, but, I, I love that you just took that second to pause and think about what is love to you and what does that actually mean? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so Maggie, thank you again for joining us. We have thoroughly enjoyed this discussion. Keep sharing your light, your love, and your hope to everyone, especially those children in Nepal. They, they love you for it. So thank you. Thank you, thank you both so much. <laughs> And just real quick, how, so if somebody did want to donate to that foundation, how would they go about doing so? Blinknow.org. Um, that's our website. You can follow us on social media, just about everywhere. And uh, follow along on the journey and see the most amazing kids and, and women and 
we'd love to have you on our team. It's totally a group effort, all of us working together. Awesome. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you both. (laughs) Thank you.